Uh, men, if you're going to go to the mission men's breakfast, sign up. So, Vic, you're only a few steps from it. Sign up. You can get as many others you can. Just sign up. See? Uh, and if you're going to the missionary conference, sign up because we got to turn it in today. <laughs> she gave you to the 18th. Well, everybody who want to go and eat, it's going to be a great conference. Sign up at Kingsway. We're going to be at Kingsway. They were here last year. We go to them this year. And um, Annie, it's so good to see you. It's amazing what our God can do, isn't it? Yes. And uh, then I have 16 tickets to that katana for September the 19th. And if you want to go, let me know. Because the sooner I can give away these tickets here, then I can order some more. So they give them out 20 at a time. So if you want to go, let me know. I'll give you whatever amount of tickets you want for that on the 19th at 7 o'clock at E.J. Thomas. And it's going to be great. Well, as we go into the millennium, and uh, there's many questions about it. And if you study on it, or if you read, you'll read different things about it. And uh, it's not an issue of being confused. It's an issue of searching. Of searching. How many of you, when you went to college, did a research paper? Isn't a research paper something to deal with? You got to read for, against, in between, everything. And somehow put it together. And that's what the millennium has been for me. Like a research and then start putting some together. Imagine I've written this out three or four times now in different ways. And there's a number of messages in these few verses. So uh, we need to understand that, yes, only in the millennium period does Jesus sit in the seat of David. And so a lot of times you're reading scripture, especially in the New Testament, Jesus is called what? The son of David. And here during the millennium period, he's going to sit in the seat of David. Now, this is for the time that the Messiah, the Jewish Messiah in a sense, will rule over the earth. Will rule over the earth. Jesus would be here on earth ruling. Now, some will say a thousand years. Some take a different view about the thousand years. Some just say it's a completion number. Because if you run numbers through the Bible sometimes, numbers aren't 100% accurate. But what it is saying, for a long time, Jesus is going to reign here. And that one thing has ended and another has started. Then I want to bring to your attention this. There's a war before the millennium. Then there's a war immediately right after the millennium when Satan is let loose and it says in scripture for a little while. Now some people try to figure out if you only got a seven year span, how do you put a thousand years in seven years? Now, 
has to be that when the millennium starts, what? The tribulation periods, what? Ends. If we follow a theory that the tribulation part ends. It ends with that final battle, in a sense, there in 19. But then, boy, after the millennium, because Satan is locked up for a thousand years, he's let loose for a short while, and then it, another battle, and then no more battles. Then there's something else that takes place that sometimes we don't recognize. And Revelation 21, very first verse says, New heaven, new earth. Now, that ties, I believe, with the millennium. Because in the millennium, out of chapter 19, those individuals who are alive, they flow into the millennium period when Christ is reigning. They are believers. But now their children that are born during the millennium period, they have to accept Christ. Now something has to happen in that period. Either they will accept or reject, and here comes the key part, they will see Jesus for themselves. And people say, well, if you see him, how could you reject him? The angels saw him, and they what? Rebelled. Remember Judah, one of the twelve? Jesus didn't kick him out of the group. He stayed in the group. Eleven of them really believed, but there was one who didn't believe. Understand this principle in the Bible even. Unbelievers always exclude themselves or remove themselves from the things of God. It's not that God has kicked them out, not that God has pushed them out. They have excluded themselves from the things of God. And we see it every day. Now, he reigns here on earth for a thousand years. The millennium means, the word millennium means a thousand years. It's a period, but it also has a purpose. It is a time of promises that are kept that Christians will rule with Jesus. Now, understand this also. When you go to heaven, you're not going to rule. You're going to submit to the rulership of God. Jesus says, after everything has been submitted under his feet, God the Father becomes all in all. Now, I hear a lot of Christians, oh, we're going to rule. We're gonna rule. You only rule with Jesus during the millennium period. Because that was promised that you would rule with him or govern with him. For a little while. So it's a promise that is kept to the believer that he would rule with Jesus for a little while. Go to Revelation chapter 20. And let's read down 1 through 4. And we'll also pick it up. We've got to get to verse 5 too. But he says, And I saw an angel coming down out of heaven. 
having the key to the abyss, and holding in his hand a great chain. He seized the dragon, the ancient serpent, who is the devil or Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. He threw him into the abyss and locked and sealed it over him. It keep him from deceiving the nations. It keeps him from deceiving the nations. Anymore until the thousand years were ended. After that, he must be set free for a short time. I saw thrones on which were set, which were seated, those who had been given authority to judge. Who are those who have been given authority to judge? That's the Christians. One writer breaks it down this way. The capital will be Jerusalem, just like Washington. Because that's where David's seat was at, in Jerusalem. That's where Jesus is going to sit in Jerusalem ruling. But who knows, you might be a governor. You might be a mayor. You might be on the city council in a sense. Christians will be set in places of leadership during the millennium over those who are in the process of making up their mind if they're going to serve Jesus or not. And that's an important point to keep while they're making up their mind if they're going to serve Jesus or not. And he goes on and he says, I saw thrones on which were seated those who had been given authority to judge. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony for Jesus and because of the word of God. They had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received the mark on their foreheads or on their hands. They are reigning with Jesus. They've been resurrected. (laughs) They came to life. They came to life and, and reigned with Christ a thousand years. They reigned with Christ, those who were beheaded, those who did not take the mark, Those who suffered because of the name of Jesus, they live again and they reign with Jesus during this time. Now, you have made them to be a kingdom and priests. And Peter talks about us being priests. And we're going to serve in his kingdom. And we will reign with him here on earth. Go back to Revelation chapter 5. Go to verse 10. Revelation 5.10. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God. And they will reign on the earth. They will reign on the earth. And we will reign with him or rule with him on earth 
during this time called the millennium. Now, if we endure, we also reign with him. If we endure, if we stay the course, we stay faithful, we stay loyal. Remember what Jesus said? When he comes, will he find any who are what? Faithful. And he says, if you endure whatever the afflictions may be or whatever we may have to go through, if you endure it, the promise is you will also reign with him. 2 Timothy 2.12 Do you not know that the saints will judge the world? Paul is saying to the saints in Corinthians, don't you know that you're going to judge the world? That you're going to reign with him and you're going to be set in seats where you will judge? And if you are to judge the world, are you not competent at this present time to judge trivial cases? Aren't you competent to really make good judgments if you're going to sit in the seat of being able to judge others here in this world? Again, this is during the millennial period. Then he says, he must reign. He must reign in 1 Corinthians 15, 25. Why? He has to fulfill these promises that were made. So he's going to reign in fulfilling the promises and even to the promise that one day that he would sit in the seat of David and he would rule here on earth. The earth will not remain the same because of his presence. But understand this. Neither is it yet the new earth that is promised in 21. But the earth itself changes because Jesus is reigning. And we'll see that in scripture. He says he must reign for this purpose, to defeat every enemy that would oppose the rule or the authority of God. I want you to stay with me here in thought for a moment. The first sin took place where? In heaven. The rebellion of Satan and the angels. For it ever came to the garden. The first sin was in heaven. Satan rebelling against God. Then it came to earth. In what was called paradise. Sin took place there in paradise. They were removed from paradise to the world that we know what? Of today. Now, look at the millennium in this way. The millennium is for a purpose of putting the last enemies who would rebel against God's authority out. And we'll see that. Because when the new heaven and the new earth is created, 
Nothing with sin will enter that. If you read Job, it says that, and in Revelation and Job, it says Satan goes before God making his charges against who? God's people. Once the new heaven is created, Satan is locked up. He has been thrown into the abyss. He can never again enter into heaven. And the only ones that can enter into heaven are those who love the Lord Jesus Christ and are believers and are willing to submit to his authority. Now that's important to hang on to. Because Jesus is going to deal with everything that is not willing to submit to the authority of God. Now the perfect king is ruling over all. He knows no sin. He is the first one to sit in David's seat. If you go back in the Old Testament and look at all who ruled and sat in David's seat, They all sinned, even the man after God's own heart. David sinned. Jesus Christ is the only one who sits in David's seat with no sin. We can't hit all of these, but let's go to 1 Peter 2.22. We're close to it. But you have those, and they're all talking about Jesus being, in a sense, sinless. So, in 1 Peter chapter 2, and verse 22, it says, He committed no sin. And a lot of people question that because he was in the flesh. Well, when we put him in the flesh, what we're doing is what Paul once did. We're trying to put him in the same category that we're in. And we're trying to say, well, if he was in the flesh, he had to sin. There had to be some type of sin in his life. Because he was tempted. Yes, he was tempted, but he did not yield to what? To the sin. And the scripture says, he committed no sin and no deceit was found in him. He's the only one who sits in David's seat as a perfect king who can rule And nobody can point a finger at him saying, you did this or you did that. Perfect king. Now, his rule is absolute. Now, in America, last thing we want is a dictator. But at the end, that's what we have. We have a loving, loving Dictator, in a sense. Why? His rule will stand. There will not be in the millennium any patience, any tolerance, any long suffering for anyone who opposes him or go against his authority or is not obedient. They will quickly, 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 forcibly be dealt with. 
Why? The wages of sin is what? Death. And all this is going to be removed at this time before the new heaven and the new earth is created. And those individuals who truly believe in the Lord will go in. Nobody will get into heaven by mistake. Nobody. Nobody's going to slip into heaven. Nobody's going to secretly sneak into heaven. You will be there only because you have submitted to the Lord Jesus Christ and you are obedient to his authority. Period. He sits in David's throne, the seat of all authority. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 2, 1 through 3. Isaiah chapter 2, 1 through 3. Um, you wonder sometimes how in those four verses or five verses can we get so much? Because you need to understand, most of what's said about Jesus reigning in the millennium is in the Old Testament, not in the New Testament. It's in the Old Testament. Isaiah chapter 2. One through three. He says, This is what Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In the last days, what days? The last days here on earth, the mountains of the Lord's temple will be established. As chiefs among mountains, it will be raised above the hills, and all nations will stream to it. That's Jerusalem. Many people will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his what? His ways. So in the millennium, he's going to teach his ways, but his ways will not be opposed, or you will quickly be dealt with. There will be no longer long-suffering. There will be no longer patience. There will be no longer, as some people say, uh, God understands me. No understanding. Here's the way. Here's the rule. You either follow it or you don't. That's simple in the millennium. He will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his paths, the law will go out from Zion. Was Zion again? Jerusalem. The word of the Lord from Jerusalem. From Jerusalem. Go to Isaiah 60. Isaiah 60, verse 14. The sons of your oppressors will come bowing before you. All who despise you will bow down at your feet and will call you the city of the Lord. Talking about the Jews now in Jerusalem. All who despise, all who oppressed you, all at this time and during the millennium, all will come and bow down. 
and will call you the city of the Lord, Zion of the Holy One of Israel. The Holy One of Israel. And you read from 10 to 14, he just asked a little bit more, but I'm chasing time. Only the believer, those who accept his authority, come into the millennium after the battle in Revelation 19, 19 through 21. Because we go directly from that battle, seeing the angel come down, and that angel comes down with the authority of God to have power over Satan and take him and bound him for a thousand years. That has to be authority direct from God. If you understand the position that Satan had and the power that Satan held in heaven, that is explained in Ezekiel 28 and Isaiah 14. Now, point. He will insist on continuous obedience from the children of those who are born during this time. They see him. They know him. They're hearing him. When the true heart is revealed by their opposition and their rebellion, he will deal with them. No patience for sin. No excuse for sin. Why is there no excuse for sin? We'll look at it a little further. But Satan is what? Removed. Removed. And he does that for a purpose. Go to Psalms chapter 2. Psalms chapter 2. Pick up 7 through 12. Psalms chapter 2. 7 through 12. I will proclaim the degrees of the Lord, or the ways of the Lord. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have become your father. Ask me, and I will make the nations your inheritance, and ends of the earth your possession. You will rule them with an iron scepter. How is Christ going to rule? With an iron scepter. You will dash you will dash them to pieces like pottery. Have you ever seen a plate fall to the floor and just break up? Have you ever seen a glass just fall and just shatter? That's what he's saying God will do to that one who is rebellious during the time of the millennium. As soon as you rebel, as soon as you reject, as soon as you're not willing to obey, you're done with. Now, in this period that we live, oh, people are sinning, doing what they want to do. Christians are doing what they want to do and call themselves Christians and everything else. But during the millennium, it's just before we go in, no one with sin is going to go into the new heaven or occupy the new earth. And Jesus is going to wipe that clean very quickly. Come on down just a little bit further. 
you will dash them to pieces like pottery. Therefore, your kings be wise, be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and you be destroyed in your what? Destroyed in your way. While you're doing your thing, you are destroyed. For his wrath, now catch this, and I want you to picture the difference between him now and then. You said now, you may take you two, three weeks to ask for forgiveness. You may not never ask for forgiveness. God's just waiting on you and you have time and he's patient with you. But look what the next one says. His wrath can flare up how quickly? In a moment. His wrath can flare up in a moment. Now we haven't seen that God. We haven't seen that Jesus. Whose wrath can flare up in an instant. And you are no more <coughs> in his presence. Now that's a total different savior that we know of. before the millennium. The Savior we know and the Jesus we know before the millennium is patient, kind, gentle, understanding, long-suffering. But this one in the millennium, you step out of line and you oppose his rule. You are dealt with very very severely and very quickly. It will not be tolerated. Now, there will be no war, for he will judge between the nations. When Isaiah 2, look at verse 4. And he says, The one, the one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. Then he rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath. In Psalms 2, go to Isaiah 2, 4. Isaiah 2, 4. He will rule the nations and the nations will accept his rule. He will judge between nations and will settle disputes for many peoples. They will bear their swords into plowshares and their spears into spruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. In other words, no nation will have what is called a standing army. No nation during the millennium will have what is called a standing army. 
Why? Jesus reigns supreme over all the earth. And all disputes are settled by him. And you are expected to accept that decision without dispute. Because he is just and right. Now, if you can't do it in the millennium, you certainly can't do it in heaven. Catch the point? So there's no use taking you from here to here if you can't follow it where? Here. Go to Micah 4.4. Micah chapter 4. After Jonah, you get to the book of Jonah, you're right there at Micah. Every man will sit under his own vine. Every man will sit under his own vine. Something that will not be tolerated doing the millennial is laziness. Everybody will work. Don't think you're going to heaven just to dance and party and good time. You're going to be a servant of God. And if you look at the garden with Adam, he was assigned work. When we get to heaven, we will be assigned work. Every man will sit under his own vine that he himself has attended to, has worked for. Remember in Jonah, a vine grew up, a tree grew up to give Jonah shade. And remember when the Lord took it away, Jonah got mad. Well, Jonah didn't do a thing to cause that tree to grow. Here, every man will sit under his own vine and under his own fig tree. And no one will make them afraid. No one will come along talking about, well, I'm going to take what you have built or you have earned or you have this. No man will be afraid of losing what he has worked for, in a sense. For the Lord Almighty has spoken. Now, there will not be no rebellion. There will be protection for the weak from the strong. There will be no exploitation of the strong or the mighty upon the weak. And catch this. And we're going to repeat it again. In the millennium, he does not force you to obey him or force you to believe him. Why? God's free will that he's granted you is still in place. You still have free will. And you are the one that will make the choice of what will happen to you in the millennium. And even those who come out of the millennium. Because when you read the part when the millennium is over and Satan is let loose, where do those thousands and thousands and millions of people come from who side with Satan? 
He doesn't ask that question. If everybody's under the authority of Christ, and then Satan's let loose, and he can very quickly deceive many people again, where do those people come from that he deceives? We'll talk about that very quickly. Now, the world has changed. And it changes because Jesus is sitting on the throne. Not because it's been created differently. It's because Jesus sits on the throne. Go back to Isaiah 35, 5 through 7. Isaiah 35, 5-7. through seven. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened. The eyes of the blind will be opened. So during the millennium, they don't have to worry about sickness or anything like that. The eyes of the blind will be opened. And the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer. And the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and the streams in the desert. The burning sand will become a pool, a swimming pool. The thirsty ground bubbling springs. In the hunts where jackals once lay, grass and reeds and papyrus will grow. And a highway will be there. It will be called the way of holiness. Earth is going to change. Run over to Isaiah chapter 11, 6 and 8. 11 verses 6 and 8. The wolf will lie down with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and the yearling together. And a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear. The young will lie down together. And the lion will eat straw like the ox. Lion eat straw? Something's changed. The infant will play near the hole of the cobra. And the young child put his hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord. Now now just think about that for a moment. The earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord. It's not just man or human beings that have knowledge of God's rule, but all creation. Even the animal world changes because of him who sits in the seat of David. Boy, that, you know, that, that almost, Pastor, you telling us a fairy tale? No, I'm telling you what the scripture says. The lion will eat grass. The leopard will lie next to the goat or to the sheep or the lamb. A baby can play by the cobra hole. And a baby can put his hands in the viper's mouth and no harm. Because even the animal world recognizes 
the authority of the one who sits on the throne. And, and see, we're not in the new earth yet. We're not in the new earth. We're still on this earth, but with a different leader. Now, can't go through all those, but the work of Satan are, will not be and are not permitted in the millennium. Satan's work, Satan's trickery, Satan's temptation is not permitted in the time of the millennium. Why? One, he's bound for a thousand years, Revelation 22. Christ was manifested to destroy his work. Now, if he was manifested to destroy his work, why is he going to allow him out to continue his work during the time that he's reigning? So in John 1, he says, boy, he was manifested to destroy the works of Satan. Now should the prince of this world be cast out in John 12, 31. He is out. He is bound. The prince of this world have been judged. He's out. He has no authority. And then Revelations 12, 9 tells us that he may not deceive no more. Now, if Satan is bound and if Satan is locked down, where does evil come from? Where does evil come from? Where does sin come from? If Satan is bound, you know that little saying that Flip Wilson started, the devil made me do it? Well, you won't be able to say that. Let's go over to Mark chapter 7. Mark chapter 7. I want you to hear what Jesus is going to say here. Would you look at verse 6 first? Mark 7, verse 6. He replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites, as it is written, These people honor me with their what? With their lips. Now, there's a lot of people today in church or who call themselves Christian, they honor God only with their lips, but not with their lives. And he says, boy, it is your reasonable service to present yourself, what? As a living sacrifice. But we only honor him with our lips, not with our heart, not with our mind, not with our serving. We're serving ourselves. We're doing our thing. We're doing what we want to do. And he says, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Here comes the truth for that. They worship me in vain, emptiness. They worship me in vain. Their teaching are but rules taught by men. They just follow what they want to follow of their own heart and that of man. Go over to verse 15 now. He says, Nothing outside of man can make him unclean. I want you to really grab hold of this. Nothing outside of man can make him unclean by going into him. 
Rather, it is what comes out a man that makes him unclean. All the TV stuff, and there's a lot of junk on TV, but none of that can make you unclean. Because there's a stopping point in here. That you have to judge it. You have to weigh it. Is it good? Is it bad? Is it evil? Is it righteous? In here, there's a stopping point. Some people call it a conscience. But it's there. And it's real. And it stops you. And then you got to make a decision. Nothing outside of a man can make him unclean by going into him. Rather, it is what comes out of a man that makes him unclean. It's what comes out of a man that makes him unclean. Jump down to verses 20 now. He went on. What comes out of a man is what makes him unclean. For from within, out of the man's heart, comes evil what? Thoughts. Sexual immorality, thief, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, folly. All that is already in us. But what stops it from coming out is the Holy Spirit and the Word of God that dwells in us. And if it's not really in you, it won't stop. And your life will show that Christ is not there ruling in your life because you're into everything. And you will not obey the word of God at all. You will not obey the word of God at all. I don't need this right now, anyhow. But the whole thing is this here. We always think it's what goes in us. No. So we blame environment. We blame this. We blame our surroundings. And we blame this. It does have some effect. I'm going to use an illustration here now. You know that stuff you flush down the toilet? They take it. And you can go right out here on Peninsula Road. They wash it up. And guess what? They send it right back to you. All that filth that is in us, it goes through the blood of Jesus. It goes through the righteousness of Jesus. And it comes right back in that it can flow out of us. We have to understand that. He says, it's what comes out of us that defiles us. Then when you go to Genesis 6, 5, God says, all that he saw in the heart of man was evil. Was evil. In the millennium, It's an opportunity for people to obey God without the temptations from Satan. Or Satan saying, as he said to Eve, God didn't say that. 
It removes the temptations of Satan's presence and speaking to you because he's out of the way. But what it shows is the real heart of humanity. It shows the real heart of the person. It shows the person who fakes it. He shows the person who forms to this conformity that looks good on the outside. Have you ever seen children who can't wait to get away from home? They can't wait to get away from their parents under the authority of their parents. And then when they get out there on their own, some parents look and say, why did you raise them that way? Why do you look like that? Why do you act like that? Why do you do? And even people, neighbors, and, and other relatives say, that boy wasn't raised that way. That girl wasn't raised that way. Why? Because it was always where? In here. Now it's free to come out. And when Satan's thousand years is up, for a lot of people, that's going to be like freedom to now do what I want to do and express myself the way I want to express myself. And the real heart comes out. And it is dealt with very swiftly. Because there's really not a heart that loves the Lord. Today, you may have a heart that really don't love the Lord. God is suffering long with you. He's having patience with you. He's working with you to a certain degree. But he knows your heart is hard. But he, he's hoping that somewhere the light turns on. Yes, he knows the beginning from the end. But he'll give every opportunity. But in the millennium, there's no opportunity. There's no second chance. You disobey, you're dealt with. That's the difference of the Jesus outside the millennium and the Jesus in the millennium. All the verses I have down there are verses where Satan himself tries to tempt, tempt us with the things of God. Many will rebel. And Psalms 2.9 says God will deal with them swiftly. 11.4 lets us know in Isaiah also. Now, what's the character? Can we pick up the character of those who try to conform themselves to look like a Christian and are not? Very quickly to Jude, and we'll be done here. Jude. I want you to look at three scriptures. Verse 5. Though they already know all this, I want to remind you that the Lord delivered his people out of Egypt, but later destroyed those who did not believe. Everybody who came out of Egypt basically were Jews. We know some Egyptians came out also, but the majority were Jews. But look what God says. He destroyed the unbeliever. Why? He knows the one that really believes him, he knows the one that does. And he said he destroyed the unbelievers. 
Now, were not they part of what would be called the chosen people? Were not they part that were Jews? They were disobedient unbelievers, and God destroyed them. That's the God that none of us really want to recognize or see. We love this loving God, this gracious God, this forgiving God. What we don't like is the God that will deal with unbelief and sin. In verse 8 of Jude, a characteristic, even though they may be in the millennium, God already knows their heart. He gives them time to show it, that's all. That they can see it. Down in the verse 8, he says, In that very same way, these dreamers pollute their own bodies. Who pollute their bodies? They do. They do, not outside. They pollute themselves. Reject authority. They choose to reject authority. Nobody makes them reject the authority of Jesus. They do it. Reject authority and slander celestial beings. Talk about angels and talk about anybody of a higher plane that is of God. The last verse is 16. Jude 16. He says, In his right hand he held seven stars, and out of his mouth came a sharp double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all brilliance. Jesus will shine. It's not that they won't recognize, not that they don't know. Most important thing here is this before we go to communion. He does not take away your free will to surrender to him or not. He really allows you to have your own way since you don't want to come under his authority. Have you ever heard a parent say, well, since you can't follow my rules, it's time for you to what? Yeah. That's all God is saying. Because you won't expect my authority, follow my rules, it's time for you to leave. But the only place you can go is hell. But you can't stay here. You can't stay here. You have to go there. But that's where you want to be. And the thing is this. You want to be away from me. And that's what he grants. Now, because you've got free will to make that choice, understand this. God has a free will to make the choice that no sin will enter into his new heaven. Can you understand that? Only what comes into your house is what you open your door for. The only ones that will go into heaven is who God opens his door for. You won't break in. You won't kick it down. You won't sneak in. There's no windows to do only if God opens the door for you. In Revelation 3, it says in 20, Jesus stands at the door and he what? He knocks to get into your house because he won't force his way in, but you won't force your way into his either. 
God loves us enough to give us his son. The question is, are we willing to come under the authority of Jesus Christ? Are we willing to come under the authority? And I want to throw this in there. Don't come under the authority of Pastor Brown. Don't come under the authority of a Sunday school teacher or an elder. You come under one person's authority, Jesus Christ and his word. And even those today who say they are Christians, but not submitting to the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ and his word are playing a very, very dangerous game. Those who may think they're saved may not be saved. The test for that is simply this. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. If you don't, you just may not love him enough to follow him. You want salvation, but you don't want him. Which one would you be rather be appreciative of? That a young child appreciate the gift that was given to him, or the young child appreciate the person who gave them the gift? Which one? I'd rather have the young child appreciate me because I was thoughtful enough to do what? To give them the gift. And that's Jesus. Do I appreciate him enough for the gift of eternal life that he has given unto me? Father, we thank you and praise you for your word. Give us understanding. May your Holy Spirit speak to our hearts and to our minds. May the voice of Gus Brown just be dead. And when they leave this place, it would not be what Gus Brown has said, but it would be what the Word of God has said. And I pray, Father, that we would chew over it again and again and again. Let us not be ignorant of your Word or ignorant of how you will perform and things that you will do. But may we search them out. May we study them to know truth. That as your people, we stand on your word and we stand on truth. And we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. As we prepare for communion, allow your hearts and mind to drift to Jesus.